Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the show today. I just wanted to cut in before we get going with the podcast to let you know on this episode, we were having some technical issues uh, with the internet. It wasn't great. It kept cutting in and out. So I tried to edit this episode as best as I could, but you're going to find sometimes it speeds up, sometimes it slows down a little bit. Sometimes you get that Zoom thing going with the electronic voice sounding thing. So apologize in advance uh, for it, but I think ultimately the message of the show comes across. And as you get in further to the episode, the audio quality and the internet quality gets better. So if you stick with it, hopefully by the end, you won't even notice. Anyway, thanks for listening to the show. Let's get to it. This episode of the podcast is presented by Knowing Hospitality, a full-service hotel management and consulting company that works directly with hotel owners and managers to help stabilize their properties and take on projects that are critical to their operation. Knowing Hospitality can be the extra set of hands that you need to make sure your hotel is best positioned for today's environment. Visit knowinghospitality.com to learn more. Now let's get to the podcast. We like to distract our minds. We, you know, we're not comfortable by, by sitting alone. We're not necessarily comfortable with our thoughts, especially in Western societies. You know, we've been conditioned in that go, go, go state. And so we're constantly distracting ourselves. Welcome to the Proven Principles Podcast, the show that deconstructs the inner workings of the hospitality industry, breaking down the tools, tips, and tricks that the world's best-run hotels use every day. Here's your host, Adam Knight. My guest today is Melina Rigos. Melina is the founder of the Unhustle Movement, a certified human potential coach, and a podcast host on a mission to inspire 100 million people from all over the world to ditch the hustle culture mentality and begin a new way of living and working. Hustling, grinding, and being on are synonymous with working in hospitality. Someone always needs something from you and the fear of letting them down or the negative repercussions from not being available 24-7 are pervasive in our industry. But that's the whole point of today's show, to recognize that this way of working isn't sustainable and that we've got an opportunity to address it now before everyone gets back to being too busy to care. Rest, play, being present, and focusing on our well-being helps us deal with stress, overwhelm, and burnout, and it can actually push our creativity and productivity to optimal levels. So let's get to it. This is episode 45 of the Proven Principles podcast, Milena Rigos on Unhustle. Enjoy. Milena, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and talk with you today about all kinds related to workplace culture. <laughs> uh, all things uh, about like, so Unhustle, and I, we're going to dive into this. Like, So it's not about taking things easy, but I, it's about, you're right, reprogramming your brain and workplace culture, taking care of yourself. I really want to, like, I'm so excited about this because I personally have struggled with a lot of the stuff we're probably going to talk about today. I know a lot of people do. So hopefully we can help some people. I think you and I have both struggled with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not uncommon is what I guess. But before we dive in too deep, why don't you give everybody a sense of who you are? How did you get to this point? How did the book come to be? What was your journey like up until now? Thank you, Adam. Well, the book is work in progress. <laughs> I am working on it. I grew up in Bulgaria, actually, and came to the U.S. in 96, 97 to pursue a master's degree in uh, international marketing and got into heavy into marketing career, love marketing, still do, very passionate about it. However, down the road, you know, I actually, I worked for a ski resort for, for 10 years. I was the marketing director for a ski resort. I started with internet marketing back in 96, 97. And then eventually when social media really picked up, started my own company, a digital marketing agency. And I had 
people working for me. I was working with some phenomenal clients, including things like the Ritz and Squaw Valley, you know, quite a few of them in the hospitality industry, as a matter of fact. You know, it was phenomenal. I love my clients, but um, ended up being a little bit too much. I was um, managing my team. I couldn't really find, you know, I live in Lake Tahoe and I couldn't really find a good project manager. So I turned into a project manager and I wasn't exactly staying on point with what my strengths are, which is being creative and creating marketing campaigns and that kind of stuff. So it really pulled me away from my passion. And I eventually, I was working so many hours. Uh, I had clients like actually helped Madonna launch her Heart Candy Fitness Club in Toronto. And then I was working with, uh, with them as well in Australia. So I was kind of over the board in terms of time zones, which in people in the hospitality industry can understand. Sleeping with my phone at night in case, you know, I miss a message or I need to respond mm-hmm. to a client, which was, wasn't the smartest thing I could do. But basically bouncing on wavelengths on different time zones and different social media channels for my clients, because a lot of the work we did was in social media, I realized I was scrambling my brain. You know, technology was really destroying my focus, my attention, definitely depleted my energy, my creativity. I started to suffer from health problems, you know, adrenal fatigue, all that chronic stress, not taking care of myself, digestive problems. And I realized at some point that kind of what they classify as burnout right now, I don't know if I had full burnout or not. I probably did. I think a lot of people nowadays do, whether they realize it or not, even though the statistics show that it's, what, about a third of us, 76% in America are burnout. You know, and it's not just America, it's, it's all over the world. Hustle culture is part of the culprit for it, but there are other words in, in other countries. So basically... Technology is advancing and it's a phenomenal thing to have. How we are using it not, not, is not necessarily the wisest way that we can use it. And so it's starting to take a huge part of our days and it's destroying our, our attention, it's destroying our focus. So we can't really get our work done. That's why we're working so many hours nonstop. So I, um, I went to Baja California, sir, which turned out to be a 10-day digital detox trip for me, which wasn't planned that way. If I knew it was going to be that way, I probably wouldn't have gone. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was quite addicted to technology. In that 10 days towards the end, trying to learn to kiteboard and floating in the ocean, I realized that there's got to be more to life than working. And I gained quite a bit more clarity and was able to reconnect with myself, with my values. And I knew there is a bigger, much bigger purpose in me to contribute to society than just serving Facebook ads to people. So I started to, you know, look for what that purpose is. Mm-hmm. And one thing led to another, I ended up with the Human Potential Institute. I, I did a lot of training into mindfulness and kind of rewiring your brain, so to speak. And, uh, and Hustle was born as a um, counterintuitive approach, but science proven approach to the way we live and work, where we, by placing more emphasis mm-hmm. on well-being more emphasis on actually rest and play and time off. We can be a lot more creative, a lot more productive, and mm-hmm. a lot more functioning human beings with having complete lives. Yeah. So hard for us to understand, though. <laughs> well, that's one of the things that really interested me about doing a show today with you was is because there's this. It, there just seems to be a lack of congruity or congruence between 
most people's realization that we can't continue down the path that we've been going down, the work culture, social media, screen time, all of this stuff. That is a very common topic of discussion that everybody academically acknowledges, but we don't see it translating into practice. We, it's very hard to have somebody say, yes, these five things are not good and I'm going to stop doing them. But you wake up in the morning and you probably slept with your phone and you know, you've know you got all these emails you need to respond to and you have a to-do list that just keeps growing that you can never get ahead of and meetings on top of meetings. And I think that the other side of that coin is that people fear the, if I don't do this, somebody else will, and then I'm going to be out of a job or I'll have, there's going to be negative consequences for me professionally for it. And it's that gap that's really interesting to me. How do we, how we bridge it? Mm-hmm. I mean, you certainly know better than I, but that seems to me like that's the kind of where we are right now. Yeah. You pointed it out. Exactly. So uh, fear is a huge element in it. And fear is something we do on day-to-day basis whether you're you know afraid to speak up at the meeting or you know afraid to say no to something like in this case working long hours or afraid to take your vacation and not stay connected fear is what drives a lot of our behavior so clearly understanding that there's a way to address it right and we can talk about that we can just do the whole podcast on just fear and then ego right i mean we ego and then what we as a culture and as a society and as human beings decide to value it put value on. So if we're glorifying being busy and glorifying things like money and and titles and fame, that leaves very little thing or discussion, room for discussion for, for the value of rest and the value of play and the value of well-being. Even though if you look at the science behind it, you would see that they don't take away from being productive. They actually complement being productive. But as a, as a society, as a mm-hmm. culture, we're just not talking about it. So what's interesting is that gap that you're talking about, which is the habits, right? So partly it's, it's mindset shift and mindset perspective shifting. And that's why when I took myself out of completely out of my everyday situation, you know, when I went to the beach, walked barefoot and swam in the ocean, that's a completely different environment than sitting in the office in front of a computer. So that's really the fastest or the easiest way to shift your perspective, because otherwise we're just pre-programmed to like wake up in the morning, grab your phone, right? check emails. Oh, but when yeah. you don't have internet, you can't check in the emails. And yeah, certainly I had I had nervous twitching going on for the first two, three days. <laughs> don't get me wrong. What you're talking about is habits and, and, to, and, and, and also thinking, right? Because we go, the latest study from Canada uh, came up with, we go through, you know, we used to think that we're going through like 60 to 90,000 thoughts in a day, which is an awful lot of thoughts. The latest research just came out of Canada that we go through about 6,200 thoughts in a day. So still a lot of thoughts, right? But what also we know is that 80 to 90% of of these thoughts are repetitive thoughts. 90% are actually negative thoughts. So we're stuck in the same program. We're stuck in that same pattern. So most of those thoughts are negative. And most of those thoughts repeat themselves. Yeah. So when you're stuck in that pattern, you can't get unstuck. So you have to change your thinking, which is where the work of of people like Joe Dispenza, let's say, uh, which is grounded in things like neuroscience and epigenetics and quantum physics. So, and this is where things like meditation come in as tools, because you you have to go from a state of being past, 
present to where a lot of us are, you know, because we've been doing things for the, the same way. We're believing the same things, causing us to think the same things, causing us to experience uh, the same emotions, mm-hmm. causing us to act the same way, getting the same results. So we, that's the pattern that we have to break. It's kind of the mindset that we have to break. So instead of living in a past present state, we have to live in a present future state. What's interesting about that, what you just said, is that that's probably a comfortable place for a lot of people to be. It's familiar. And well, it's familiar, exactly. But it's just wearing that pattern. Yeah. Breaking a habit is is hard. Not um, necessarily comfortable. You have to break out of a... No, not at all. Yeah. No, because it's, if you're stuck in some old trauma, you know, and you're really reliving that old trauma every day, then your body is experiencing the same emotions. So let's say, you know, you, you keep thinking yeah. back to your boss fired you from work and you and you go back to that same situation. You're reliving that emotion. So of course you want to hang on to your job because you don't want to get fired again, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's true. What is it about unplugging? And, and maybe relate this back to your, your digital detox, inadvertent digital detox. What is it about unplugging and slowing down that's so difficult for people to actually do? You know, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we just like to distract our mind. We, you know, we're not comfortable by sitting alone. We're not necessarily comfortable with our thoughts, especially in Western Western societies. You know, we've been conditioned in that go, go, go state. And so we're constantly distracting ourselves, getting dopamine from everything we're doing, from the email, from the social media, where if you're, you know, if you unplug, you kind of have to be with your own thoughts. If you slow down, you kind of have to connect with who you are. And again, if we're thinking back to the past and if we're thinking negative things, you end up in such not so comfortable situations. So we're trying to avoid that suffering by going to things that make us feel good, which is the, you know, the technology and the in the email and the social media, right? Because it's yeah. just, there was a study with rats done in the 30s where they they put rats and in, in one set was on fixed feeding and one set was on variable feeding, right? And the rats that were on variable feeding kept pushing that lever to get the reward, even though they didn't know when they were going to get it. They were a lot more active on that lever than the rats that were on fixed feeding, which kind of, you could say that that's what we do. We're checking constantly emails. You're constantly mm-hmm. there pushing that lever of like, what new emails do I have? What new emails do I have, right? You never know what you're going to get, but you mm-hmm. constantly, we're, we're hardwired for this, right? So basically, if you understand your biology, and I'm not saying I'll take me for an example, this is what I've done, this is going to work for everybody by any means. What I'm interested in is, is looking into, the, in, into how, uh, what's happening in our in our brains, in our biology, and how can we understand it and and use it to our advantage? So that's why I'm getting into all these studies and science because I want to understand. Forget about what happened to me, but what's happening to everybody else? Once you understand how your brain works, then it's a little bit easier to shift that habit. Otherwise, you know, otherwise we're just talking hacks. We're talking like, oh yeah, lock yourself out of your email. Well, yeah, but, yeah, but why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's true. I mean, and all you have to do is, you know, search YouTube or Google for, for, I mean, you'll just see videos and and posts for days about brain hacks on how to get over this stuff, but that never gets to the root cause. It never helps you get over the hump, right? I can hear people in, certainly in hospitality, which is who the audience of this show is primarily geared towards, but every industry is going to have their version of this. 
where they say, yeah, that's great, but I have guests that need things. You know, I'm working in a busy hotel. There's always something going on. You know, my staff need things. I can't unplug because if I do, the needs of all of these people that depend on me aren't going to get met. And it is most hospitality people are wired to serve, wired to, to sort of be there for people. That's, I mean, truly the nature of the job at its fundamental level. So I don't really know what the question is here, but it's really just when you talk to people who give you all the reasons why it won't work, what do you tell them? Well, it depends what it is. You know, I'm obviously not saying you should unplug from emails if emails is your job, you know, don't get fired for, for doing that. But I do think there is a better way to serve our clients and run our businesses than what we're currently doing, because what we're currently doing is clearly not sustainable. We all know it. We talked about at the beginning that it's not sustainable. So what is a more sustainable, more humane, more even profitable way of going about running our businesses? And I think we probably spend far too much time in some kind of meetings or some kind of synchronistic communication like email where I believe there is enough technology nowadays to make that better. So we can actually focus on what the job is in the hospitality industry, and that is serving our clients. Because if you're checking emails or if you're looking at your smartphone, then you know probably serving a client. And actually, Good point. you know, I mean, I mean, you might be via email, right? But um, I think there is a more humane way of going about it. And the fact that it's the hospitality industry. Um, you know, I was talking on, on my podcast with Andrew Barnes, who initiated the four-day workweek movement uh, with his company, Perpetual Guardian. And they deal with uh, more with kind of a bureaucratic type paperwork. It's more like legal legal company. And I questioned him on that. I said, do you think in the hospitality industry, people can actually go on a four-day workweek? Do you think something like that would work because he saw uh, an increase in productivity, an increase in well-being, decrease in stress. He showed all this. He proved it with his company. So actually now a lot of bigger companies are looking towards that concept and looking at as maybe this is the competitive advantage I need in post-pandemic world. If we're post-pandemic, still pandemic world. I, I quizzed him on that. I said, do you think it's possible for, let's say, a brick and mortar store to go that way? And he actually told me that Gap, for example, created a nap where they gave people the autonomy to choose their shifts so that people can decide when they wanted to work because you know everybody's on different energy levels not everybody's on the nine to five shift necessarily for peak performance so so if you do that from a hospitality perspective and give people the option to choose when they want to work perhaps you actually serve your clients even better, mm-hmm. while giving your employees a little bit more freedom and a little bit more autonomy to do what they want to do, or, or so mm-hmm. to say, unplug. It's a really good idea. I think back to when I was working on property and all of the challenges. I mean, you kind of ended up doing that in some respects anyway, where you, if you, when you're making a schedule, there were always bet about half of it was going to change after you posted it. Because everybody was going to say, I need this day off. I need to do this. I can't work this time. And oh, I don't like that shift. Or I always work at this time on this day. And you end up rewriting the whole thing anyway, or most of it anyway. That's an interesting way to look at it. You know, the 40 work week in hospitality, I had experiences where long stretches you do seven days, like six and a half days. You kind of go in on a Sunday, you know, for a few hours, but you end up being there seven days a week. 
And I remember the experience that I had when I started to pull back, knowing that it was unsustainable and becoming a little more selfish about what I needed to make sure that I was recharged so that I could come in and bring my best every day. And I got pushback from it. I remember in particular a few conversations where the level of commitment to the job was questioned. So, you know, when we're talking about that organizational realization that you need to have, well, where am I trying to go with this? But like, I guess the crux of the question is you could be selfish about all of this to do all the right things for yourself. But if your organization and the people above you don't support it, then you could find yourself in a really difficult position. Yeah, no question about it. There is a war on talent and talented people will always be able to find jobs, at least at the moment. So I'm not saying get fired from the organization. However, there will be pushback and I'm already seeing it and companies are competing for, for top talent. Now, if you're, if you're on top of the organization and you want to make sure that your employees are performing, then, then I think measuring on output is a lot more meaningful than measuring on hours. Just clocking in, clocking out means nothing these days. I mean, you you don't even have to be present in your mind at work. And I think that was my biggest challenge when I when I had my team is, is getting my people to be more engaged, mm-hmm. you know, because just giving them tasks to do without getting them engaged with the whole purpose of what we're doing leaves for disengaged employees. We now know that 85% of people around the world hate their jobs, according mm-hmm. to, to that study from Gallup. So... The organizations that create the framework for uh, engaged employees are going to have a competitive edge and employees are always going to look for places to work, which values them as employees and gives them the flexibility and and the autonomy to do their work well, because people at the end of the day want to do their work well. We're getting them, we're we're distracting them with too many um, emails and meetings and and everything else that kind of gets in the way of doing the work. (laughs) But mm-hmm. yeah, if we give yeah, them the time exactly. and, and the autonomy to do the work, they'll do the work. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And maybe the work will be more meaningful to them. They could get immersed in things that are more interesting to them in the job. And you take away the things that they don't like, which is, you know, a lot of what we're talking about today. Yeah. And I think millennials, uh, there was a survey I saw that 70% of millennials value purpose more than than paycheck. People, you know, especially young people nowadays are a lot more passionate about finding meaningful work as opposed to just making money. Yeah, true. If you were to give somebody some guidance, and I want to kind of put this question into two pieces here. So you've got somebody in an organization who wants to do what we're talking about today for themselves. They recognize the benefits. What are the few things that they can do kind of right away that might make an impact for them? But then the second part of the question is, if you are in a position of leadership within an organization, is there anything that you should be doing to support this internal cultural shift so that your employees can start to shift towards what we're talking about today? Yeah, I mean, I think on the individual level, that's obviously where I am. I am pushing for uh, for change because I think until you're convinced on a personal level that this is going to work, it's going to be really hard to implement that at a cultural level. So first you need to see that it works for you. And by that, I mean, first you need to be able to shift your mindset and get unstuck from that old belief and old thinking and old way of 
uh, working, which was really designed for the industrial revolution, right? So we're no longer going to factories. We're using our brains for work. All the latest science states that, you know, you can push your brain in a high creative state for three to five hours a day. And that really is about it. So if you can train yourself to work more like in a state of flow, improve your focus, um, eliminate the distractions, you'll see that you can shrink a lot of your days. And I'm not necessarily saying a lot of people, I get a, I get a pushback from people saying, I love what I do and I find the most joy in working. And that's totally fine. You know, a lot of people can probably relate to that. And we all do what we do because we love and we're passionate about it. But I feel that if you're not living a 360 degree life, if you don't have experiences, if you if you don't push yourself in other areas of your life, then you're really living a one dimensional life. And at some point in time, it becomes your, you know, your, your whole world becomes your whole reality. And you're sacrificing a lot for that. You're sacrificing your well-being, relationships, experiences that actually make you a whole rounded individual and make you a much more resilient person to begin with. So on a personal level, if you can if you can make a difference, that would be to ask yourself what do you need to unlearn and what do you need to relearn as we're moving into the next chapter here. How are you redefining your success? Is it all one-sided success based on accomplishments at work or are there other things in your life that um, would make you more fulfilled at the end of the day? On a company level, I think doing a short-term experiment, coming up with a few tweaks, you know, it doesn't have to be any, anything major, but coming up with a few tweaks and, and, and let's say do like a 30-day experiment, maybe with just a small portion of your company, it doesn't have to be a, the whole company. You know, maybe just take one department, take the marketing department, you know, take some something creative and see if they can shrink their work hours, but see if their creativity and productivity increases. So again, it doesn't have to be a four-day work week. It could be a six-hour day. It may not even be working less, fewer hours. It could be something like having fewer meetings mm-hmm. and see, you know, or having fewer Zoom meetings and, and seeing how that affects employee well-being and um, output at the end of the day. But mm-hmm. I think starting small on both spectrums would be would be the way to go. The way that I see this self in the position of driving organizational change when it comes to this, that's several last positions that I've had were in that, that capacity. And what I can say from experience is don't assume that everybody underneath you is okay. Don't assume that the way that things have been laid out, the way that work has been distributed, the way that people interact with one another, the way that, you know, all of the, the, the email addiction and the technology, everything that we're talking about today, don't assume that that lands well and sits well with everybody. So really meaning that you've got an opportunity right now with the way that the pandemic has affected hospitality. And as we start to come out of this situation, we're in a position where hotels don't necessarily have a lot of the business back. Well, they, I know they don't. And they won't for a long time, but meaning that there's been a lot of people laid off, staffing levels in in hotels, uh, in hotel companies are way down, even though we're starting to see spikes in occupancy around the country, especially certain times of week. So you've got full or almost full hotels with a pretty demanding client base with far reduced staffing than you normally would have to service those people. And it's very likely that the people that are working on the front lines 
have been working extra hours, doing extra duties under an immense amount of stress because of everything going on in society, that as you start to demand more of them, that's just going to stress them even more. So that's why I guess just to round out the, the sort of the soapbox piece here, now's the perfect time as a leader to be talking about this stuff. Now is the perfect time to make the change that you want to see in your organization before staffing levels balloon again and everybody's busy back into the way things used to be. This is the time to take those risks and take those new ways of doing things. So, you know, I think the conversation today is extremely helpful for hospitality in particular, certainly for those leaders that are that are aware enough of how they can impact their organization and can have some vision on where they think that they could go by doing the things that we're talking about today. Yeah, extremely well said, Adam. I mean, it's time for a major reset. What we've been doing doesn't work. We need to find more courage to do things differently. And all these things like vulnerability and more courage and diversity and equality and, and all these things that are reshaping the workplace culture, now is a really, really good time to, to redefine what that looks like for you, culture and for your team. So when are uh, people going to be able to buy your book? <laughs> I need to stop showing up at podcasts. <laughs> uh, well, um, I'm working on it every day. It's my top priority. And um, hopefully later on in summer, I will um, be able to go live with it. That'd be amazing. Melina, in the meantime, if anybody has questions about what we talked about today, or if they just want to touch base, and get to know you a little bit more, what's a good place for them to go? Yeah, certainly. The easiest place is my website, unhustle.com. I'm currently working behind the scenes on uh, setting up a community because I realize that's the one thing that we all really seek when we're talking about unhustle. We, we seek that belonging and, and connecting with other people and seeing what how other people are doing things. So I'm working on the community aspect of things. Um, but yeah, they can uh, download an ebook that I have on the website for free that gives them seven examples of companies and individuals who have applied some aspects of the unhustle mentality in their life and work with, with the in-depth podcast conversations that follow from them. So they can download that book and um, mm-hmm. read about it if they want to learn more a little bit about the unhustle philosophy. That sounds good. Unhustle.com. That's the best place. Well, I know we had uh, some internet challenges here today. Hopefully everything comes through okay on the recording. But even whether it did or whether it didn't, Melina, I'd love to continue the conversation somewhere down the road, maybe later in the year when we, as we come out of this and we kind of see what the new world looks like, just to to talk about uh, where we're at and where else we need to go. I think this is a great conversation. That would be great, Adam. I would love that. Well, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. This was my episode with Melina Rigos. You can find her at unhustle.com. I'll link to it in the show notes. You can see the full interview on YouTube. Just search The Proven Principles Podcast. And if you want to learn more about the show, just head over to our website, theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. Finally, if you need help with a business strategy or just need help with a project or tough problem in your hotel or restaurant, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can book a free call with me by going to knowinghospitality.com slash contact. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. For past episodes, show notes, or if you've got a story that might make a great episode, head on over to theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, even on YouTube. And if you haven't already, don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. 
Thanks for listening to the Proven Principles Podcast.